Hey guys, uh, welcome to episode two. Um, I don't know why I said it like that, too. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for all of the uh, very kind words that uh, you've shared since the release of Isaac's episode last week. Um, that was so much fun, and I'm so glad that you guys are digging it, and that uh, it's been interesting and intriguing for you to learn about my cool friends. Um, I wanted to give a quick shout out before we get into today's episode to um, to Miss Kimmy A. Minor, who I had the pleasure of working with earlier this week. And she had spotted that I had dropped the ball on something, and that was that I was promoting the crap out of the um, the episodes, but there was no link to the podcast episodes on my social media. Um, first of all, for those of you that aren't following the show yet, uh, you can follow the show at the on repeat pod on all those social media handles. Um, that's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. But most importantly, uh, you can subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, on Apple, on Stitcher, on Google, and you can go to evankhay.com slash podcast uh, from your phone, from your computer to stream the podcast wherever you get it. So please feel free to do that. I would very much appreciate it if you could subscribe to the show and follow the show on social media because that's where I'll be announcing who all of the guests and things are. And with that, I'm so excited to bring you this interview with Lena uh, Lena Robbins Tamure, uh, she and I go way back. Uh, we were friends in high school, and we have the pleasure of working together now, and uh, I love her so much. Uh, we kind of get into it. Uh, for those of you that know Lena, um, she she had a little, uh, I want to say maybe like 13 years ago, she was on Oprah, um, for those of you that know Lena, I'm sure you know that story. We kind of dig into it um, from a different angle um, and kind of talk less about the actual Oprah situation and more about what happened post-Oprah. Um, and she is an incredible songwriter, incredible performer. And we talked about how, you know, I knew Lena, uh, when I first met Lena, she was very much in the R&B world and she still very much is. But we talked about how she kind of transcends and kind of flips back and forth between doing the Hawaiian music, the Hawaiian trio music with her band Uhe Uhene, and doing her own solo um, collaboration R&B music. And we kind of talk about that and get into her um, her self-discovery as an artist and as a person. And I'm so excited to bring you this. Please enjoy. I know it is long, but um, I encourage you to kind of take it piece by piece because every part of this interview is worth listening to. I tried to kind of trim the fat off of it as much as I can or as much as I could. And by trimming the fat, I mean just getting rid of my rants. Uh, but it still kind of runs a couple of hours. So please um, take this a little bit at a time. Please listen through it because it would mean the world to me and to her. Um, yeah, please enjoy. Here's Lena. 
Hi. 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 Uh, so, thank you for being here. Thank you for uh, having me. We were just talking right before we hit record about uh, what you thought of Isaac's thing last <laughs> week. <laughs> oh, great. Uh, but, uh, she's such a nice lady. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Isaac, I hope you're listening. I hope um, so, too. So, speaking of Isaac, um, I I read your Lay Magazine article. Mm-hmm. Um, before you were walking in. Okay. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, no, so so I know what not to bring up and oh, what to bring up. Fine. There, there, there is a thing in there that I do want to want to touch on later. Bring but it up. Bring yeah, it up. Yes. Okay. So um, thank you again for being here. So we, we've known each other. Well, I've, I've known of you longer than we've actually been friends because I... I knew you through high school, yeah. or I knew of you through. But high even school. then, we've been we've once we became friends, we've been we've been friends for like yeah. a long time. Yeah, and I I knew you when when I was starting in school. Uh, our teacher Bailey Matsuda mm-hmm. would always um, would always be like, "Ev, you think you think you're great? <laughs> Listen to this," and he would play me you and. Kelana. Oh, he's so airless. <laughs> I love like, you, Bailey. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, oh, uh, okay. Shut I'll get up. back to work. Shut up. Um, but it's it's so nice to actually get to talk to you and mm-hmm. like dig deep into your life because mm-hmm. there, you know, from Isaac last week. There's a lot that I kind of knew about him going in because yeah. you know we were family. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to actually. Not necessarily go into it blind, but just kind of have a few talking points and just totally. kind of see where it goes. Yeah. So um, I wanted to start off with your kind of creative upbringing, okay. we'll say. Because you, you were kind of always in a musical family. Yep. Um, yeah, pretty much pretty much destined for music. No, <laughs> it sounds so douchey. No, um, yeah, my, my dad has sung all his life mm-hmm. he had a regular job you know he had um i'm the fifth child in our family wow and um my dad always worked like you know in construction and like um like at pearl harbor and you know all over you know pwc all that kind of you know labor but um my dad has always had in my opinion one of the best voices and um musician musicianship so that's where i get that's where i get my mm-hmm. passion from is my dad and then um my mom not so much musical but my mom um also loves music but she was a hula dancer long time um back in the day um dancing in Waikiki at the hotels so yeah we and my my family, especially on my dad's side, we have a lot of musicians, um, singers, songwriters. So it's it's always kind of been in been in me too. It was never forced. I always wanted to sing. So so you're the youngest then. Mm-hmm. I'm the youngest. So how many brothers sisters above you? So I have um, one brother above me, and then three older sisters above him. Okay, so four and one. Mm-hmm. So are they all musical too? Um, uh, two of my sisters, 
two of my sisters can sing, mm-hmm. but they never um, took music as like a... They, they can sing. They're not singers. Yeah. yeah, yeah Got it. Yeah, yeah. So kind of just from being a kid mm-hmm. or from, you know, when you were a kid, mm-hmm. you were always kind of just a part of... Music was a part of you. Yeah. Legend has it <laughs> that Ooh. I started um, singing it too. I can believe that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was... Um, that's why um, if anybody has seen... I think it was like last year, earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gotten to become really close with Auntie Roby Kakalau, and um, I've I credit I credit her. If somebody will ask me what made you want to sing, um, it's because of her. She, mm. Her um, her sister Roby album, which I think was like one of the early albums when she went solo. Yeah. After Hoan Style Band, I believe. Um, that was like the starting point for me i listened to that that cd like so much and um we recorded her episode of hot hawaiian nights i think it was the shell wow um and i wore that i wore that vhs tape out <laughs> <clears throat> and it was yeah i would just sing um her hawaiian songs and like the english songs that were on that album like like she recorded like some like hawaiian like standards but then she also recorded covers like like, um, I Can't Make You Love Me, Bonnie Raitt. Mm-hmm. A two-year-old singing I Can't Make You Love Me by Bonnie Raitt. <laughs> Legendary. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, but yeah. Okay, so so you didn't get into Kamehameha until you were a middle schooler. Yeah, middle right? school. So were, were you doing music things in your elementary school? Or was yeah. it mainly at home? Or Yeah, so... Um, well, of course, it started off at home and in church. We were very heavy in church when I was a kid. Um, both my my parents were um, deacons and like held office at our church mm-hmm. in Y&I. So um, it was a lot of singing in church, and of course, like you know, family parties and um, all that kind of stuff. So I think it was like around I want to say seven or eight. Um, well, even prior to that, I had been doing, like, small, like, competitions and small, like, fairs here and there. But it was, like, at eight where I, like, my parents asked me and I told them, I want to, I want to become a singer. I want to do, I want to do music. So we, they, my mom and dad, like, especially my dad was, like, would push for me to get at, like, like, the 58th State Fair any kind of functions where they wanted music. And um, that's where the first big thing I did was, I don't know if you remember, um, OC16 mm-hmm. had karaoke. Yeah. It was it was called like Road to Fame karaoke. And, and that was the first kind of like big thing I did. And um, I was in the, I think it was like in the, in the 9 to 12 year old, category and I won my category in that that was on TV and then so by the time I had gotten old like so like from that it went to that to like um I was even on um America's most talented kids okay I did not win that <laughs> but that was that was a really cool experience Rigged. um so by the time I had gotten into middle school 
I'd kind of already been, like, like singing at, um, basically doing, like, small gigs, like, here and there, wherever, um, my dad and mom could find me things to do. A lot of competitions when I was young. Mm-hmm. A lot of singing competitions. But, um, and then just to connect why I'm talking about this is because right before middle school, I landed the Oprah thing. Yeah, so that that's a thing that people talk about but don't talk about. <laughs> is that you were a middle schooler and you... Ended up on Oprah mm-hmm. singing Lord I Pray mm-hmm. for Oprah and Mariah Carey. Yeah. How how did that happen? So um so actually there were there were two episodes. There were two episodes. So the the first one the first time that I was on was in this all happened in 06. Okay. All this happened in 06. But this, I think, I guess this kind of journey started in 05. So, at the time, on the Oprah show, she was doing a lot of those, like, um, Wildest Dreams Come True shows. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it wasn't only, like, music. It was just, like, whatever people had dreamed of. And then, so it's like, a series. And then, yeah. so in 05, and by that time, we'd already tried tried to be doing, like, stuff to get me out there and get my name out there um and so then my dad thought well nobody bigger to like appeal to than oprah so i remember my dad wrote a letter for me and then we made like a home video recording of me just singing random songs and put it on a dvd sent the letter in sent it to um, Harpo Studios, and they kind of forgot about it because mm-hmm. it really didn't um, just hope for the best and sent it over. Yeah, and then and then in in, in 06, early oh six, um, in February, we got a call. Wow, I don't think I've ever shared this part of the story. So we got a call from somebody who said that they were from KHON. Okay. To news here. Yes. And they said that they were calling to do like a a TV special of like um, young talented kids in Hawaii, and that they wanted to interview me and my parents. Okay. So at that time, we were living at um, uh, Makaha Valley Towers in Makaha, mm-hmm. and so we um and then even to su- so to surprise me my dad said that it was that these people were coming over to interview him cuz my dad was on Hawaii Stars back in the day okay. for people who remember Hawaii Stars um so I was like okay cool and then so but it just happened to be on my birthday that they were coming to do this so back then when we lived at the towers in Makaha there was a guard shack, and you had to call in, and then they would call us to, like, verify, like, how much people were going to come up yeah. to the room. Okay. So, th- we were told, oh, just, like, a car with, like, some people <laughs> to interview us, camera people, and then the interviewer. Um, 
the guard shark called us when it was time, and they're like, there's like five vans here. <laughs> <laughs> like, are you guys expecting this much people? And then my dad, none of us, none of us knowing what's really going on, yeah, is like, um, no. So my dad called the contact and was like, you know, um, my son's birthday and you know we gotta do this interview real quick and you know we gotta go so my dad was like very local man like, yeah just you guys gotta figure out cause we gotta go somewhere we're gonna dinner tonight and then so they're like okay we'll, we'll just come up they wanted us to come down so it was like oh. all these things of like not doing what was told to us and like you know, you guys were kind of were gonna come up and interview us, and now there's five vans, and you guys want us to go downstairs. <laughs> so it wasn't adding up. Yeah. So it's like, what? What is going on? So they're like, okay, we'll just send, we'll just, we'll just come up to you, and we're like, yeah, you're gonna have to. <laughs> so, <laughs> my dad. So then we wait, and we get a knock at the door, and then we open up our apartment door, and then there's like six to ten, like. Hula dancers, two cameramen, and then this lady who says, Hi, I'm Gail, and I'm from the Oprah Winfrey oh show. Oh my gosh. And then we just like, and I'm like, Wait, what? <laughs> and I look at my dad and mom, and they're like, Wait, what? <laughs> so so y'all, yeah, got, was, y'all got tricked. Yeah, we got tricked. We so got, we got punked. So, so the Oprah crew. Yeah. Called and said that they were lied to my dad. They lied to your dad, (laughs) saying that they were the KHON two local news station coming to interview you. Yeah, and oh, it was so much. It was so much layers that day. So it's it's, oh, on your birthday, on my birthday, yeah, on my on my twelfth, on my twelfth birthday, the Oprah crew shows up at your house. Yeah, yeah. So what's really funny is that if you go back and you watch that first episode, oh, I'm gonna find it. I think it might still be on YouTube. <laughs> if you go back and watch that first episode, um, when they do that whole montage of like coming to see us, we had re-recorded that the reaction mm-hmm. because then when we found out oh they're from Oprah, then so this reaction is good, but we didn't get a good shot of it, so we actually had to go down and re-record the reaction. So it wasn't it wasn't. Hard to act because I was still in shock. Ass TV. Yeah. It was really cool though. So that was the first time they said, um, can you drop everything? <laughs> can you drop everything? And you're going to come up to Chicago? No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, we flew to LA first. We flew to LA first. And we um, we had a day at the Jim Henson Recording Studios. Yes. We're like so much like... They were telling us, like, the people who have recorded there, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, the Rolling Stones and, like, so much awesome legends. So I'm like, so we're going to go here, and then we're going to, um, there's a vocal coach that's going to come and work with you, but we're waiting for them to arrive. So we were there for a while. <laughs> oh, no. Waiting for this person to come. So I'm in the booth, and it's a big studio, so, like, um, yeah. They said, oh, the studio's, the vocal coach is here. So I'm, it's not like a closed booth. It's like I have like a partition yeah. in the back of me. Uh-huh. So I can see like the the control room and then like, 
yeah, it's a big like. It, it it's a live room with yeah, like yeah, 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 like yeah. a glass yeah, yeah, so yeah, that totally. you can see into the yeah. But where I'm sitting, the partition is blocking the door. Uh huh. So like, okay, the vocal just here is like, okay, and so then I hear somebody walk in and they're like, hi, and then it's freaking Mariah Carey and <laughs> Randy Jackson. Oh my and gosh. Uh, that's the one thing I hate about that episode is because my reaction was so gross. It was like, it was so like, moke. Uh, it was so moke. It was like, it's like, oh my God, what's up? Like, oh my, uh, it was gross. But I I was like, <laughs> oh, I didn't how's know. it, my bottom? Yeah, exactly. 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 It was so gross. But. I was I was I was shaking I was shaking because Mariah Carey is Mariah, Mariah Carey, Carey yeah and she's she's literally one of the like one of the top in, inspirations in my in my music life so yeah basically what we did that whole day was we had been recording um like a demo track of Hero because that was that's what I s- sang on the first show uh huh the first appearance of Oprah was Hero by her. And um, that's also the first time I had, that's where I learned to harmonize. Really? Yeah, that's that's the day I learned how to harmonize. Because I, I had already, I had already knew how to sing. But, um, and at that time I could kind of find yeah. the... What is it? The third, the yeah. top, mm-hmm. and then um, so then I learned how to do the the lower harmony, and it was like it, I was so like intimidated and it, like felt shame at some parts because, um, I remember her talking about like how in her early days, a lot of the recordings, not all because she had awesome background singers back uh-huh. in the day, um, but she would do a lot of her own background vocals, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, that day I had a crash course in harmon in harmony, and um, that's I was really thankful for that. And then after that, they were like, "Do you wanna? Do you wanna go back home? Because then we had a week in between rec- um, working. No, wait, I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. So we met. Did Hero, worked on Hero, mm-hmm. worked on a rough track for me to listen to to prepare for the show. Yeah. And then flew to Chicago, did that show. And then it was on that show, after I sang Hero, that the second surprise was that Mariah was going to produce and write a song for me, which ended up being I Pray. And so if that was in February. Mm-hmm. We went back, I want to say, March or April. Yeah. And did the same thing. Flew to L.A. I learned the song, recorded the song in the studio with Mariah. And um, Kenneth Crouch was an um, unbelievable musician. And so we did that, and it was awesome. And then I... That was when they had asked us. So we have a week between 
you know, doing this and then doing the show. So do you guys want to stay? Do you guys want to go back home or do you guys want to spend a week in Chicago? So we're like, um, we'll go to Chicago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we stayed in Chicago. There's no choice. Yeah, I got to work with, um, that's where we got really close with um, Marianne Tatum, who is okay. um, currently, even from then, back in 06, um, even now, well, Marianne's been with, been with Mariah for a long time. But she's kind of like um, Mariah's coach, and but also one of her background singers. Oh wow! So just working on like technique and um, singing the song live, mm-hmm. and then and then yeah, we went to Chicago again, and um, that's that's the episode that most people remember is, is the, the one with the I, pray. I pray the I pray episode. Yeah, and that that song was um, featured on Wild Gospel, and if nobody. Most of wild gospel is kind of like a, um, like the now CDs. <laughs> now that's what I call music. Yeah, now that's what I call music, but like for gospel music. So oh. it's just like compilation of like I love that, that so year's much. that year's gospel like hits. So I was on the Wild Gospel 2006 album, and yeah. I, I still can't get over the fact that your first encounter with learning about harmonization was in an L.A. studio with Mariah. Thank Frick you, right? That's so upsetting. Yeah. You know, pe- people don't understand how next level harmonization is. Yeah. You know, because singing is one thing. Yeah. But when, when you're harmonizing, at least in me, for me in my brain, it's like, if I know what the melody is, I'm forcing myself to know what it is, yeah. but also not react to what it is. Yeah. You yeah. know? And it it's a whole nother thing. And the yeah. fact that you're doing a crash course with Mariah Carey Seriously. in yeah. a studio in LA yeah. is awesome and also annoying as hell. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was it was just like like even now, like and by no means I do not consider myself like a a really good like harmonizer like i can i can i can find the parts kind of easily but like um but like there's times where it's like like hawaii music is pretty much yeah you know kind of easy to find the find your harmony but like um I'm 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 decent. I'm decent. But like it'll be times where like when we work with Dre. Yeah. Or like even like, you know, Isaac or Lana, whatever, whoever, um, where it'll it'll test my it'll test my knowledge as far as doing harmony. Yeah. But when I think about it I yeah, it tickles me to know that like Bitch, you learned. To- oh, sorry. <laughs> you can drop do the it. first one. Drop the first one, guys. Yeah, you can sorry. do it. Um, Twenty five learned- minutes in, and you dropped one. That's you learned- a record, girl. You learned- Congrats. Thank you. He <laughs> learns how to harmonize from Mariah freaking Carey. Yeah, that, that's cool. amazing. So, so when did the when did the record deal thing come into the picture? Was that after the second show? Was yeah, that when so I the- pray happened? Yeah. So, I pray. And I believe I pray was, was, um, on. Okay, 
just for safety reasons. I'm not yeah. going to say the names of the companies. That's fine. Yeah. Just because it's, I mean, it's been a long while, but I just don't know what, where I stand. Cause it's so confusing and we'll get into it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, um, so there was a certain gospel, um, label. Yes. I'll say the, I'll say the, 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 the umbrella. Yeah. The umbrella. So all of these labels, there's two major labels, gospel labels that I was under, which was under Sony BMG. Yes. The label Sony BMG. Um, so on the second episode after I pray um, Oprah and Mariah will come up on stage to talk to me about you know the song and my experience and then unbeknownst to my mom and dad who are sitting in the audience there's another gentleman sitting next to actually my mom in the audience and they don't know they they had no clue who who that was was, Um, but Oprah starts to say that, you know, we have one more surprise for you. And the guy that's sitting next to my mom stands up. And it's so funny because you can see, like, the reaction of, like, my mom and dad on camera. Like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what? Get out of here. (laughs) He stands up and then he um, offers me a recording contract under, under that label. Yeah. And we're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, this is great. Like, yeah, just crying, whatever. Just a momentous occasion. But, um, so, yeah, I had signed with them. And, um, so that, that first check was, <laughs> was very lovely, um, for I Pray. Yes. And... I think it's somewhere still on Spotify. I have to look. Oh yeah, it's on. It's 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 on everything. It's on Apple Music, yes. iTunes, Spotify. I'm gonna bump it in my car on the way home. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really a bumper, but I mean, it's 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 a good song. I love that song. Um, but yeah, I remember just tripping out and like the money that we got just mm-hmm. from that song, and how we were like. And so everything was, you know, nice at first. Like, you know, they we were in talks of, like, the the kind of the road and the the look that I would take as far as, yeah. you know, recording with them. And then that's where things got a little bit... Yeah, that's where things got a little... A little hairy? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit hairy. Yeah. Was because then for a while... That's why I don't want to say exactly the name yet. No, that's fine. That's fine. Because basically I was in, I was under a contract and bottom line is that they ended up doing nothing with me. Okay. But what what, what sucked is that for, okay, that would have been 06. So for, ooh, I want to say I was stuck in that. So there, okay. So after them, we kind of guess okay, you guys aren't gonna do anything with me. So it wasn't until there were so many things that opportunities that came because of Oprah, you know, because of being Oprah. But we couldn't do it because I was under 
I was under contract. Yeah. So I was stuck until I want to say 2011, 2012. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't do anything. Couldn't release any music. Couldn't <clears throat> I couldn't release anything. any music. I couldn't like um, pursue anything that would need like clearance as far as like recording with anybody else. Or even like features. Like I remember having asked to do like features on on songs. And yeah, that, that period just sucked because I couldn't I couldn't do anything. I was bound until I turned eighteen. Oh, so the so the record contract you had mm-hmm. said that you couldn't do any other artist things mm-hmm. outside of the record deal yep. until you became an adult. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it sucked because <clears throat> yeah, like I I won't go into that, but it was just like there was so much things that I wanted to do. Yeah. So much opportunities that came my way, but I couldn't because legally I was still one of their artists. Oh, so so they didn't <clears throat> do anything with you, but they just let the contract ride. Yeah. Because if they terminated the contract, you could have hypothetically gone and just rode the the momentum yeah. of what you did off the Oprah show yeah. to your own benefit. Yeah, and so, you know, we're at that time, we're thinking, you know, and this is, like, even early on. Yeah. Where, you know, after Oprah, you know, some things come along. You know, this is, like, maybe a year or two after the second uh-huh. Oprah show. Or, you know, opportunities are coming in, and so I'm like, oh, you know, I'm, you know, I'm just still working out things with the label, and so it's like, you know, we can kind of let those go, but as time went on, we were like, oh my gosh, like, what's going on, like, all these things, and so I remember we 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 sought out legal help, and so basically one of the one of the um, advice that we got because of like how the contract was written mm-hmm. and what we had agreed to um, is that the best thing to do would to just be to wait it out. Uh-huh. And because then I don't want to be looked at as breaching the contract on my end. Yeah. So it was rough, but we just waited it out. And um, even actually, even until this day, there's never been like verbal or like even written communication as far as I'm released. And, you know, you go your way, we'll go our way. Uh-huh. Because, um, and also what has happened within these past my gosh, it's over t- 10 years or anything, 13 yeah. years or anything, um, is that that label kind of, um, that division of that label kind of crumbled too. Yeah. So it's it's just tricky because even to this day, I get um, royalty. You'll, you'll get royalty checks. Not Well, not, not so much checks. It's just like, um, like graphs of like, Whenever somebody will buy it uh-huh. online. Yeah. 
So I still get those today. So it just confuses us, like, why I still get these. Because technically, by contract, it's been done for some years now. But that's just something that I want to dive into when I have time and money. Yeah. Um, With a lawyer to just make sure that I'm... Mm-hmm. I'm I'm totally safe, but at this point, if they were to ever like come to me with like, you know, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? At this point, it's now there. It's the ball is in their court because they didn't do anything with me. Yeah, and it's after after the the contract was up. So yeah, it's a whole thing. Oh man, but that is a whole thing. I'm I'm glad that um, it's been a while since I've been able to pursue my own stuff so so all of that happened really before you got into kamehameha right or were you did you get in and then you were taking flights to and from la while you were attending ks no yeah so the whole oprah experience happened literally like right before i actually started middle Uh school middle school so so how how, if at all, was the interaction with your peers being known as the Oprah kid? Because <laughs> I, because I'm, I'm three grades below you, mm-hmm. and I was hearing news of yeah. the middle schooler on Oprah. Yeah. So how how was that? Um, how did that affect your social life at at Kamehameha? It was, it was kind of crazy. Like, it was. There were a lot of positives, but I remember there being a lot of, a lot of negatives because, um, I guess people had just this, this preconceived idea that, of, who I was and how mm-hmm. I was, and. So I remember, yeah, I mean, it, it was oh you're the Oprah kid you're the Oprah kid you're the Oprah kid that's all I heard for like, the longest time, yeah. and I and I was fine with it I mean you know, it. It brought it opened so many doors. Yeah. Even at that time and even till now, it still opens doors for me sometimes. But um it was interesting. Pe- plenty of people were were cool with it, but then there was a lot of times where people would would like tease me about it and I was like, Well, bottom line was I was an Oprah sis. Yeah. You weren't so sorry now, about I, it. I can just imagine walking in front of Kave Gym and having a kid go, Sing I pray. Thank you. <laughs> Sing hero. Yeah. Sing yeah, exactly. No, yeah, totally. I was like Yeah, I've, I I I wore that song out. Hero, I pray. Just Mariah Carey songs in general. Yeah, I got I got everything on the bus on in classes like what's what what how's Oprah like? What what yeah. is what is Do Mariah Mariah's phone like? number? Yeah, like Yeah, wait, wait. Wait. Speaking of that, I got that all what, the time. What, what what did what did you tell Isaac on Lay Magazine? You said she smelled rich. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't like a, it wasn't shade or anything, but I would get I would get that all the time, like from people like, um, like what does Oprah smell like? Is she nice? What did Mariah smell like? Yeah. Is she nice? Um, all the all my pervy guy friends were like, 
her boobs real? I don't uh-uh. know. No. I don't know, no. sir. No. Uh, uh, I rebuke thee. Yeah, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I got all kinds of questions. So, so, did that help you transition easily into like, not opio, um, and like concert glee where you're going through, uh, middle school and high school? Yeah. If so at all, not opio. Um, I think it helped because um, Nikki, Nikki, yes, at, at um. Now Pio, she, um, me and her had a very good relationship and she knew vocally what I could do and she helped, um, she helped me, um, learn a lot too about like, you know, control and everything and, and we did a lot of, a lot of fun stuff in Now Pio, I remember. Mm. And, but there were a lot of times where, um, people would, being on Oprah seemed like a negative thing. Like a lot of people would say, "Oh, okay, we're gonna get into this later, gang. Whoever's listening to this podcast, but like, oh, he, you know, he only got in because of because of because of Oprah being on Oprah, and so there 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 would be those times where people would be like, you're only getting featured at like school events and." Mm-hmm. Or like getting solos in choir yeah. and stuff because of being on Oprah. Yeah, and it would it would be irritating at the time. I look back now, it was just I think it's just people's insecurities yeah. and jealousy, or whatever. Because, and at, at that time, like I could back up my talent. You know, yeah. I knew I knew I knew what I could do, and at that time, puberty hadn't set in, so my voice was a lot higher, so I could do a lot more with my voice. But yeah. Um. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a lot of positive, but it it would suck when those like negative negatives would come up because, oh, it's only because you're on Oprah and you know whatever. But no, whatever. I mean, I I come from the complete opposite side of that spectrum. Yeah. And for for those that didn't go through the Kamehameha Middle School system, not Opio is pretty much just the middle school. Yep. Um. Choral class yeah. is what they they yeah. called it, or not Opio was the extracurricular like yeah. band thing yeah. that they would do, um, and we both went through that system. Mm-hmm. You with uh, Kumu Akana, right? Is it Akana or Akaka? Akaka, Akaka, um, and I had uh, Mia Pareka. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, yeah, you and Mia. My my seventh my seventh grade year was her first year teaching, and she's still there. Yeah. And I just saw her the other week, so. She's holding it down, been yeah, holding it down. Yeah. But um, both of us went through that system. But I came um, from the opposite side of that spectrum of people were ridiculing me in Not Opio because they were like, "Oh, he's just getting the he's just getting the stage time because people feel bad for him." Mm. You know, um, you know they they feel bad because he's you know he's been bullied and you know he. He's just some kid with an ukulele and a piano, and and, and I think I think that that kind of rang true for a lot of us. Yeah. In in because at that time it wasn't cool to be in choir. Yeah. It was. It was. And this is just my experience. I'm I'm sure a yeah, very yeah. close to your experience. Yeah. Of being at KS at Kamehameha Schools, at that time, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't a cool thing to be in choir or like in the ensemble. Yeah. 
like how it is now. Yeah. Now it's very, like I see, like you know, all kinds of kids in in Consigli or even in Hawaiian Ensemble with um, Kumukaleo. You know, there's um, well, they've always had a good roster of the football boys. Yeah. In Ensemble, but like even in Consigli now, you know, there's all types of kids, and I love that. But at, at when we were in middle school and uh-huh. high school, it, it was a very select type of group type of kids that were even kind of outsiders yeah that were in choir and no peel and yeah. you know even in, even when i got to concert glee but um i think it's good now that more people are accepting of because when you think about it it's you know singing with that much people and the legacy that especially concert glee has yeah with Kamehameha schools and outside of Kamehameha schools, um, it's a privilege. It's an honor to be in yeah. in that in that group of people. Yeah. Even when even like when we were in um, praise team, yeah, which is where I first really got to meet Evan. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah, with Mr. J. <laughs> oh, Mr. Javalana at um, at chapel. Yeah. So like, even with that, it was like yeah. a real select group of people that were in it. It was basically wow. Alkai and his friends. I, I forgot about. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about because it was team. like it was me, Kamonukia, um, who else would sing? Jonah Hokano. Yeah. Um, I think Kilana jumped on a few times. And then, like, with the musicians, it was, it was always Alkai. It was you. Uh-huh. It was... Chase? Chance? Somebody. I forget, I forget, I forget. too. My memory's awful. And um, Mr. J, of course. Yeah. But I was like... The, the first time I remember doing the worship team stuff with you was when Javalano would play a remake of Sunday Morning... Or he changed the lyrics. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, this is great, but I don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> yeah, we but, did a lot of we did a lot of that. We did a, a lot, lot of, of parodying. We did, yeah, we did a lot of pop songs. Rewriting pop songs. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, we did Sunday morning we did um This Love. Oh we my did, gosh, that's right. Um I rewrote the words to um Oh Boy from Navai. I think we did. I think it was Oh Lord. And oh my God, it was so oh, corny. Man. But we had fun. We did September a lot. That's the gospel right. version of September. That's right. That was good times. So, <laughs> so I, I, I wanted to circle back to what you said about the, the um, kind of the insecurities and finding that community in yeah. those little things like concert glee, yeah. like you know when we were on the worship team together and all that stuff. Yeah. Um. You know, like for me when I. I, I started playing very young. Like, I was five or six when mm-hmm. I picked up an ukulele and I was singing and stuff. And I was made fun of from the get. Mm. You know, and it was always, like, this thing that, you know, um, music music was a pipe dream. And, yeah. you know, it's, like, for me, you, you had the, the, Mariah, the Mariah Carey VHS. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I had, um, is it InSync? Yeah. The uh the Disney yeah. special, 
And I wore that crap out. Yeah. Um, just because I was like, okay, that's that's where I want to be. Yeah. And I was I was ridiculed, and I don't like saying this word because it makes me feel uncomfortable. But people were people were calling me like the minute I started playing my ukulele in kindergarten. I remember this one kid going, "Ha, faggot!" Yeah. And it it stuck with me for forever until I found that community in Naopio, in music and technology, yeah. in, you know, worship team and in all those things that I kind of let those insecurities kind of, you know, fade away because yeah. even though there were all of these things coming at me, I knew that I had a, um, like a safe bubble mm-hmm. to go to. And for you out of all the, places at Kamehameha and all the different things you were a part of, what was, where was your most tight knit bubble? If that makes sense. Hmm. You know, I want to, I want to say, because, um, I want to say kind of, kind of a bit of both. And it was because, um, I got Hmm. into, so when you get into high school at KS, you can audition to be in Consequently when you're a sophomore. Yes. Um, and so I missed it. Well, actually, I didn't miss it. And I hope he never hears this. But <laughs> <laughs> the day I went in to audition for Consequently, yeah. um, let's just say my dear grandmother Willow, Lesa Balos, <laughs> was not having a good day. And so when I when I went in, he was like, no, no, power in it. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. All right. Okay, bye. And then, so what could have been a three-year in, in, in Contigli was only two. I got in my, my junior year. So in Naupio, you know, seven and eight grade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I spent equal amount of time, but I want to say that, you know, I want to say that as much as I love Consigli and actually Consigli, um, more so than Naopio helped me with um, technique a mm-hmm. lot. Yeah. I maybe, and you know, it's my own fault, but I might not always use everything that I learned in constantly today. Yeah. But just knowing like breathing techniques, blending techniques, being able to just sing with a group. Yeah. Um, helped me so much. And then I think for different reasons. So you know, like how you said, tight knit. Yeah. I would have to give it to No Peel. Really? I'd have to give it to No Peel. As much as I love Consigli and we were, there's people in Consigli that I'll never, ever not be friends with. Uh huh. But just from like memories and like stories that I could tell, but I can't tell. Um, yeah. For No Peel, we just were, we just were very, very close. Yeah. Super, super close. And I had that with Consigli. Yeah. But, I think it was because it was my intro into 
being around others who loved to sing as much as, much yeah. as I did. Yeah. And being in that space, being totally safe mm-hmm. to... Yeah, because at that time, I got that all the time growing up because my voice has always been higher. And, you know, always getting teased, you know, fag or, you know, maho or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Never mind, we won't go there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, like, you know, a little boy singing like a lady... Or, yeah. you know, wanting to sound that way. Oh, yeah, I got I got it all the time growing up. But, yeah, I think that's where... I think also in my introduction into Kamehameha schools, being in middle school, it was really good to have that group of people that I was able to call friends yeah. pretty quickly. Yeah. Because aside from the people I knew on the bus, and I remember in my year... Um, there's only two kids from Y and I that got in. It was me and my other friend mm-hmm. from elementary. So when I wouldn't see her, I had Nalpio, the gang in Nalpio, to hang out with. Yeah. So yeah. Well, when we got to high school, I think musically, you and I ended up not taking two separate roads, but you went through concert glee. Yeah. I went through music and technology. Yeah. Because I. I considered myself more of a musician than a singer. Yeah. I think primarily you would consider yourself a singer first. How did you get into your musical, I guess, tastes? And then how did you get into songwriting? Because I know you wrote a little bit through high school. Yeah. um, That's one thing that I have always proud of myself on. And I mean, this is the same with a lot of people, but I I do like all all types of all types of music, and so it was it was it was it was hard. Well, not hard. I don't want to say it was hard. It was a challenge going through concert glee because I quickly, very quickly learned. Because um, as much as I loved, like primarily my vocal style would be. Aside from singing Hawaiian music, which I love, yeah, but would primarily be R and B, soul, pop kind of music. Okay, so and that's why I say I really thank um, Last and you know Antikaloa from being in 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 Glee that taught me because you know we were, we were doing you know classic Kamehameha school arrangements, uh-huh. but also you know like, operatic, you know, and, like, classical, you know, pieces. Yeah. With the choir, with constantly. So, I learned that you can't always be... And this is something that Les always always teased me about in school, is that you can't Mariah carry everything. <laughs> and so... <laughs> yeah. Which is true. And yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Absolutely. I, that's where I learned that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, being able to... Um, differentiate and being able to separate the two and is a proper time, you know, to do both. Yeah. So, um, I think that's, and as far as like my inspirational music, yeah, it's just, it's just always been so many different things, whether it's R&B, pop, 
um, country, yeah, um, classical music, um, jazz, whatever. And that's what that was a good thing too about um, becoming close with Bailey. Yeah, it was because you know I was getting this really good. Um, nurturing from concert glee as far as vocal techniques and and whatnot but it was always good to be able to go into bailey's room on like my free periods and then just just let loose of what yeah i really wanted to do also was you know r&b gospel and yeah because bailey can do all, all of that all of it so I think that's what, as far as being in high school and liking all kinds of things, but being able to um, root myself in these yeah. basics and stuff. So, like, the songwriting, like, even now, and you know this, I don't, I don't really consider myself a songwriter. I, th- there was, there was stuff I wrote in high school whether it was like cheesy like relationship stuff or you know love songs or whatever but i think what writing what writing was good for me in high school was that i took um pacific lit poetry mm. literature poetry from um cool mcdougal Okay. In in high school. And poetry is where I found my writing voice. So, and it's, you know, it's likened to writing songs, but it was much more, it's much more just kind of free form and, and just being able to blurt out, you know, emotion and, and, and you know whatever you're feeling, mm-hmm. so I think poetry was a really good outlet for me yeah. in in high school because you know you're going through a lot and um, music songwriting was harder for me because at least in my mind it's just so formed and structured. I know it's not like that for a lot of people, yeah. But just how my mind works, I'm like. Oh, this has to come here, and this has to, you know, go yeah. here, whatever. Yeah. Poetry was just like, feel your feelings, sis, and just write yeah. it down. So I think, yeah, that that saved me a lot, and that's where a lot of inspiration for things that now I'm trying to work on just kind of stemmed from yeah. be poetry. I mean, like that that's perfect that you brought that up, because yesterday, in fact, I got a text from... Um, from a music friend of of ours and he was asking me you know what are what are your tips for songwriting because mm-hmm. i haven't written a song in a really long time and i said you know the process that works best for me is giving myself an outline and mm-hmm. that outline being i'm going to write the music first yeah. the instrumentation first and then what we call in the industry top line mm-hmm. to the to the the instrumentation top line just writing lyrics to the instrumental track basically and after i told him that i realized like i 
I came off as that was the only way to do it when, you know, some of my favorite songs started as poetry. Yeah. I mean, Wildflower, my favorite song of yours, yeah. started as a poem that mm-hmm. you and Isaac kind of turned into um, a song, mm-hmm. you know, and, and to see the the growth of the first song I ever heard you sing, knowing that you co-wrote it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what song I'm talking about? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Yes. Oh, man. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. It's on YouTube. Um, it is. It is it? It is. It's on my channel, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> oh, man. But listen. <laughs> listen. He's talking about Lil Diddy called Love 42. Yes. And my jam. You know, it might not be the deepest song or the most, like lyrically like impressive content whatever but i still love that song i it's i still love that song. it's great we wrote it i think like within like a couple like free periods or something like that and and this is you kilana okai yeah me kilana okai and even to this day like even if i come out with like a ep that's more r&b-ish or whatever um I do want to record Love 42 That's just a, because I still think that... Slaps. It, it, yeah. I think if you get it on the right stations, whether it's like yep. 931, The Bomb, you know, whoever, whoever, yep. it's it's it kind of reminds me of like a older, like early 2000s, like Joanne, yeah. like local, yeah. local song. Yeah. It, I can't believe you wrote <laughs> I, I have yeah. it in my notes to bring it up. I love I, it. I love it. I love no, but it. that that song that song makes me think of. It, it's like a song that I would have listened to on the bus on the way home. Yeah, sitting in the H one traffic. Yeah, you know. And if you're hearing this, Alkai Imua, let's make this happen. Yeah, let's do it. Um, but you know, going back to Wildflower, you know yeah. that, like, the 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 way that poetry, um transcends into music mm-hmm. i think is such a beautiful you know songwriting style yeah i mean i i have your lyrics for wildflower mm-hmm. if you don't mind me reading them sure um you know it says let's see these hands of mine are telling me to put it down let it go don't get hurt again mm-hmm. this love is fleeting control evaporates from these hands that turns into the rain that soaks my heart Mm-hmm. But I had yet to bloom. You had yet to know what colors and what shapes I was about to take. You will never know where the wildflowers grow. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous. <laughs> and like, like like I said, that's why the important word here, kids, is co-wrote because yes. that is all of that that Evan just read is all Isaac. Yeah, and. But why, yeah, that's why I really wanted to talk about, I'm glad you brought it up, is that um, the poetry that helped me in high school. Yeah. So, like, um, we've told this story a few times, but listeners of the podcast will get to hear it. Um, But, yeah, we, I was in that 
Pacific Literature Poetry class, and mm-hmm. one of our it was kind of like it was kind of tied into our final, where yeah. we we made a, like a legit book as a class, and it oh, was I rem- I ha- yeah. yeah I have it a was book. it's called um, Pennies for Your Thoughts, and it was a collection of everybody who was in our Kumo's class that submitted um, poetry, and yeah. so one of the somehow Isaac gets a hold of the book and I had a, I had quite a few of my poems in that book which I'm still really really proud of today but that I kind of want to see how I can flip into songs now but Isaac saw Wildflower and um, if you have heard Wildflower now the poem that I wrote is totally totally different the meaning of it is totally mm-hmm. different from what the song is. Wildflower was written for one of my um, best friends in high school. And she um, kind of had it rough, but she was just really, really strong. And so I wrote that poem for her in high school. And she... And the only the only line from that poem that we use in the song is where the wildflowers grow which I think is one of like the last lines in my poem Mm -hmm. and so it always amazed me how that that touched Isaac yeah to then us turning it into a song which yeah I'm very proud of and I love I love it I mean you know the for me I I took poetry as well Mm -hmm. in it was my, I think it was my senior year mm-hmm. of high school. That must have been, right? Must have been senior year when they do English electives. I think so. Um, so I was, uh, I took poetry as well. And for me, it was it was similar where I, I was already writing songs. Yeah. So I, I kind of had a leg up in the class because yeah. it, I, I was doing, I was doing it opposite. Yeah. Where you were taking your poetry and making it into songs. Yeah. I was making my songs into poetry. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. but also in that same way, I learned where my human connection lied. And yeah. my my the human connection lied lyrically yeah. for me. Because, you know, in poetry, you know, I can't play a four chord song to make you feel sad. Yeah. All I have to rely on are my words and my my diction yeah. and my delivery of, yeah. you know, the, the, the poem, yeah. you know, and going in essentially compared to you in reverse to then spin it around and go back the way I came. Yeah. You know, it was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Now, like I, I was relying so much on the, you know, I'm going to play a ballad that makes you feel sad. Mm-hmm. And then, just make you feel sad with the music yeah. versus no, the, the, the words carry their own meaning and yeah. weight. And I had to learn that by going backwards into poetry. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want to say backwards, but you know, going into poetry and then coming back yeah. to songwriting yeah. and, and showing a way to really get my point across with just my words, yeah. you know, cause when, when I was in, um, Poetry for me, especially that poetry class, um, was a very well, – well, it was a saving grace for me yeah. because I 
I, I was going through a lot personally. You know, my mom was sick and mm-hmm. um, through my junior and senior year. So I I didn't I, – I felt so bad for my teacher. All my poems are sad. Um, but it – I that was one – that was my coping mechanism to – because I, I didn't feel like I had a place to share my feelings just mm-hmm. in conversation. Yeah. So I had to put them into words and, yeah. you know, as – um, going back to that lay thing that the lay magazine article mm-hmm. that you and Isaac did, you had said that, um, you know, music is or songwriting is an indirect way of communicating our feelings to the people we really want to talk to. Yeah. You know, and it's a way of like masking, you know, the vulnerability of, hey, I'm giving you my like all of my feelings don't yeah. hurt me. Yeah. You know, and music is like, hey, here's a song. I hope you like it. And yeah. they're like, oh, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Like when for me, when Retrograde came out, I had so many people going, oh, I had no idea that you felt that way or that this was going on or that even before that, just yeah. I would write a I would write a sad song and people would be like, are you OK? I'm <laughs> like, no. And I need to talk about it. Yeah. That's why that's why I wrote the song in the first place. Yeah. And it was um it was such a freeing thing for me to to get into poetry and songwriting as that outlet. Yeah. You know? And um and for me, I I kind of knew uh, I said this last week with Isaac, but I kinda knew right around junior senior year when I was with Bailey, when I was in Bailey's class, that there was a possibility that I could I could be a successful songwriter or yeah. performer or, you know, producer whatever where where did that switch lie for you where you were like okay i can i can actually you know make this dream you know people say mm-hmm. like legit was was there like a defining <clears throat> moment of like okay i can actually be an adult and be a full-time musician yeah and still do everything that i want to do um and do this thing called music yeah it didn't really happen for me until well see and i'm coming from this kind of like like post-traumatic kind of thing where um i experienced i was kind of like thrown into like what having a music oh what having a music career can do for you With the whole Oprah thing and, you know, having a recording contract with a very big label and getting to see, like, that money come in. We're like, oh, my God, like, is this how it's going to be from for now on? Yeah. Like, everything that I've dreamed of. Um, and at that time, that's where I just wanted to be, like, this famous singer and, you know, just do music and so that's where it kind of shifted because going through that and having been done nothing with which also plays tricks on your mind as far as for me i was like well why aren't they why aren't they working with me is it is my voice not enough is it my appearance you know so it's all those things that affect you in your mind and like and so to go from that and then to like later, and then this is where it constantly kind of helps 
switch that for me is because, um, and like how I said earlier in the podcast, I my love for music started with Ruby Kakalau. It started yeah. in Hawaiian music. Yeah. Um, and so from like eight to like um, 16, that break was pretty much just R&B, gospel, pop music of just diving into that because my dad um, introduced me to uh, like blues and R&B at like around like seven, six, seven years old. Mm-hmm. Um, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Aretha Franklin, just all, all these kind of people. Yes. Um, so that was, it was that big break of just wanting to do that kind of music. And then getting into Kamehameha schools, going to high school, then getting into Concert Glee Club, where my my love and passion for Hawaiian music kicks up again. Yeah. And that's where um, Les um, really took me under his wing. Yeah. And I um, was able to meet people through Concert Glee and yeah. then even through Les, where... Um, a passion that I had kind of forgotten about. Not forgotten about, but just had been distracted from. Yeah. Kind of came back and presented itself from where, you know, I went through this thing with Oprah and losing that opportunity in gospel music Yeah. to now having to, at this point, you know, the contract is kind of dwindling as far as um, time is coming up to where I'm not, held down by this contract thinking now okay how am i gonna start start up again i kind of have to start yeah. from scratch again as far as having music be my my thing again so hawaiian music kind of saved me in that sense because um being so close with less is where i got to go to Mary Monarch for the first time and go to Japan for the first time for Hawaiian music. And then even prior to that, meeting um, meeting Jonah Kanwala Solitario yes. in Concert Glee, then meeting his friends and family, which is how I then will connect with my cousins Aina and Kapua, uh-huh. who we are now still a group with Henny. But just that connection of, um, and at the time, in those earlier days, it was me, Jonah, and Aina singing together. And we were doing like some parties and like Punahou Carnival. Yeah. But it was, it was at that point, especially with Les and with um, Aina and Jonah, where you know, oh wow, I can I can do this with Hawaiian music. Yeah. And it's you know, decent money. It's decent yeah. and you know, people always talk about it should never really be about the money. But as a for us where music is our lifestyle, yeah, our our job, you have to think about that because yeah. we have we have Bills like everybody else, yeah. car notes like everybody else, yeah. you know. So 
that's something that you have to think about. So yeah, yeah, I think that's where it switched off is where um, <clears throat> the first real um, big Japan gig I had with Les and going to Mary Monarch and then just doing like um, parties with um, Jonah and Aina and like, oh, okay. Yeah. I can I can do this again. <laughs> yeah, well, I, actually, that's... It's so great that you brought that up because at, when I when I knew you when I when I first met you you were so inundated with the R&B yeah. pop soul world yeah. yeah that when I when I found out you graduated you took the turn into Hawaiian music yeah professionally yeah you know and and that was I was like oh she okay yeah interesting and it for me in my my brain like my first reaction was like oh that's an interesting choice yeah um but now like you answered my question basically yeah. is like that was that was an untapped um that that was an untapped part of your um musicality yeah. i feel you know cuz I, I i would completely understand you know like if i was doing the pop rock stuff but i knew how to play jazz guitar yeah and somebody dropped a jazz you know uh record deal in front of yeah. me i would be playing jazz for the rest of my life yeah you know until it's like oh yeah there's this thing that i loved yeah. forever that I never really had the chance to do yet. Yeah. And then it, it, you know, I, I can only, um, commend you for taking that full journey through both sides of it. Yeah. You know, and, and now like, even when you do gigs, there's, there's a, a musical diversity, you know, in your style, mm -hmm. you know, because you, you'll go so seamlessly through, you know, a Hawaiian song into like a pop song and yeah. then you just go back and forth and i know a, a lot of the gigs you have are because uh venues and venue managers love that versatility mm. you know like for me when i um i had a, a, a hotel that i was that i am performing at um had asked me it's like oh they're they're gonna be ukulele nights yeah at the hotel, can you, um, can you play it, or do you want to give the gig away? And I was like, okay, let me ask Lena, and you were unavailable. Yeah, I unavailable. So it's like, okay, I I don't have that versatility, so I have to let the gig go. Yeah, and it it's always something that I appreciate when, you know, they're for you. You're so inundated with both. I, I don't want to say cultures, but both um, both genres of music. Oh, that you so. that you can flip back and forth through it. So I th I think I had to like had to learn, and actually, it's it's only been within like the past couple years that I have realized that I can live in both. Yeah, in both worlds because um, yeah, I think like how I said like um, yeah, and I I got that I got that um reaction from a lot of people and especially like a lot of people in the in the in the Hawaii music 
you know, community in the world yeah. because, um, but without people knowing, Hawaii music is what started me singing. And I have a, um, a legacy, like I said, on my dad's side of like a lot of Hawaiian musicians. Um, we're related to a lot of famous Hawaiian musicians. Uh-huh. Um, my uncle, my dad's uncle, at one time was considered, you know, one of the um, top steel guitar players in Hawaii. My great, my great grandmother is um, a prolific Hawaiian songwriter. So it's not that I um, didn't want to do Hawaiian music from, you know, in those R&B and gospel days, of in Oprah days. It was just that I think my focus at the time yeah. was, was, you know, some kind of stardom, you know, some kind of, yeah. you know, that, that was my focus at the time. But I had always... Loved hard music in in those years. It was just, yeah. I guess it wasn't like, oh, that's what's gonna get me to yeah. our goal and what the goal was at the time. Yeah. So I think that's part of growing up, um, just growing up, and then really focusing on what kind of needs to be done, and uh-huh. that's taking care of myself, my friends, my family. Yeah. My you know, my life and being able to you know, live here in Hawaii, yeah. is that that focus has changed to how can you do your part yeah. to perpetuate Hawaiian music, um, but then how can I still have an outlet and enjoy the other aspects of music that, um, that I enjoy? Because Hawaiian music took, um, I want to say from 2011 really 2010 2011 took over my life because then yeah. i was doing i started doing bar gigs at in 2012 yeah and um been going to mary monarch ever since 2011 uh-huh. and then um we, we Henley formed and you know i play with fill in with other groups that need you know musicians or singers and um have been going to Japan heavily from 2012, 2013. Mm-hmm. So, not that I had ever forgotten my love for R&B and stuff, but it was just that I, like I said, within the past two years, I never thought that I could, like we've done so much yeah. together, a lot with Dre, uh-huh. um, a lot, you know, with um, our other friends, you know, like Isaac, Lana. Yeah. We've done a lot. And I never thought I could I could go to a gig or do a gig where I could sing Hawaiian and R&B yeah. at the same time. Uh-huh. And um, that has a lot to do with, um, a lot to do with, with um, Jen because... Yeah. Full talk, Jen. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, Mother man. gig. Um, <laughs> um, it was because, you know, I had, I have, I get gigs prior to, you know, really working with Jen. I, you know, I can make it by with doing the gigs with Uhene and yep. making enough money for myself. And then, um, 
individually, you know, finding work with other groups who may need fill-ins at bars or parties, uh-huh. whatever it may be, going to Japan. You know, I was getting by. But um, there was a point where I, after meeting Jen and being able to uh, get closer with her, um, which we're super close now, so I was like, you know what, I'm going to take a chance and I'm going to ask Jen yeah. if there's anything she could find yeah. for me. And... um. And she and knowing her knowing that, and I'm still working on it, but I can't do like a solid set of just just R and B or just you know other music outside of Hawaiian. But thankfully, she's found things and places that, um, and I think it's a good thing because like how you said, venues now, not all, and I hope. For the sake of us being here in Hawaii yeah. and being able to celebrate everybody here, but to celebrate the host culture, yeah. there's a lot more venues that are um, that may have not been before, but yeah. are now um, open to having some kind of Hawaiian presence yeah. at the place, which I think is awesome. Yeah. Because we should be able to... to exists we should yeah. all be able to exist in yeah. this space and so um it's a blessing and it's it's i'm really thankful that i can i can go from waikiki show songs and you know traditional hawaiian music into throwback medley yeah <laughs> ascension medley so yeah. i was like you know it's cool it's really cool and, and i really never thought that I'd, be, I'd see that day yeah i thought it would always have to be separate yeah like you do your stuff with your hawaiian and your hawaiian peeps and then you do your r&p stuff yeah separately so now that there are doors that are opening that i can exist in in both, in both at the same yeah. time yeah is it's 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 still crazy to me yeah you know, and and I, I've always believed that we live in a rebellious culture. Mm-hmm. You know, like in in American history, you know, yeah, are not well in American history. The the people that first founded America yeah. did things the exact opposite way from England because yeah. they hated what was going on, and they yeah. went so far in the yeah. opposite direction that they're now just in two separate. Yeah. universes yeah. and i feel like it was the same way with you know with a lot of the places that i was working at mm-hmm. and you know i'm grateful because music hawaiian music is not my forte mm-hmm. you know and but there were a lot of places that were like oh yeah um we're gonna go in this whole different direction as far away from the hawaiian music as possible yeah. that you know there there were venues that i was um working for that they wanted me because I didn't play Hawaiian music. Yeah. And it, it came with this connotation that it was so frowned upon. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I I'm I'm embarrassed that I don't know enough about my Hawaiian culture to really have a stance on it. Yeah. But th- I I agree with you that there's a place where, you know, all of our genres can coexist. Yeah. And and make a, um, 
therefore make a unique sound for a person. Yeah. You know? Because like and 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 it's not like you're it's not like you're opposed to Hawaiian music. Absolutely. It's just, you know, yeah, like you said, it's not your it may not be your forte, but you've never heard the attitude of like, oh gross. Like, you know, a lot of people have that perception of Hawaiian music. And I know it's hard for like those of us, you know, who don't do um you know, Jawaiian or yeah. reggae or yeah. you know, local reggae music. Um and even though that that'll um that kind of rules the charts as far as like radio play right now and um you know, all of that, whatever. Um I think in maybe hard because in Hawaii sometimes it just it's either Hawaiian music or yeah reggae music. I mean that that's that's how I that's how I grew up. Yeah, was there, that's what you know. You know that's all we've yeah. known. You know as far as you know listening to the radio or whatever, and so it's there's like this kind of, um, well it's it's more than a rumble now, but like there's like this kind of like this comeuppance of like yeah. of those of us who are doing like R and B or or even like 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 house music or like yeah. you know you know electronic you know all that those kind of vibes and stuff um yeah i just i just think it's i think it's healthy mm-hmm. for venues to want to um be inclusive yeah. of of having R&B, you know, even local music yeah. and and Hawaii music because, and not to like stuff it down people's throats or anything, yeah. but, you know, goodness sake, we're in Hawaii. You yeah. should be able to respect the culture uh-huh. and have that be in some kind of presence at people's establishment, you know, yeah. so... Yeah, I, I mean, awesome. I'm going to read something that you said in that interview with yeah. Isaac. Where you had said, but I love I love it because if we don't continue it, whether you're doing traditional or contemporary Hawaiian music, then we'll lose it. Language-wise, music-wise, people are fighting for our culture and our people. I think that's yeah. beautifully said. And, you know, I I see both of those kind of realms in action when you play. Mm-hmm. And, like, even when you did that, that Ooh Baby Baby video... Mm-hmm. With DeAndre and Isaac in that hot ass room, <laughs> thank you. In Waikiki, uh-huh. like I, I hear the R and B in your voice, but the traditional Hawaiian instrumentation, yeah, you know those like, yeah, in the in the strumming, yeah. Yeah. all that stuff. And I bring up that video in particular because that's kind of how your following kind of exploded overnight. Yeah. We'll say, yeah. Because that that got reposted on a very popular <clears throat> singing page. Yes. On Instagram, and you went there? from. Yeah. Are we gonna go into? Yeah, we're gonna go. You yeah. brought it up in the beginning, so we're gonna I go there before we call it, it a day. day. Um, and you went from like a couple thousand to like forty thousand followers in a day. Yep. yep. And that was from one video. Yep. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I met Mel Daniels. Yes, yes. Through you, yep. be- because of the highlight of you on that 
that uh, what's the name of the account? They have the range. They have the range. Yes. Um, and uh, when when we were in New York, we met her. And for those that don't know who Mel is, can you explain who Mel is? So Melanie Daniels Walker. She is. Um, she's to me, in my opinion, one of the baddest singers. Absolutely, one of the Agreed. baddest singers in our time. Um, she's a she's a vocal coach. She's a um, yeah, she's a musician. She's a singer, but um, I think notably wise people. Not she is she's she's like one of the OG um, background singers from Mariah. Isn't that a crazy full circle moment? Like. <laughs> One of the yeah exactly no yeah, yeah exactly exactly and I and I don't think I've talked to her about it yet. I'll send her this podcast. I, I hate it. <laughs> um, and not because I don't want. I just don't want to be that person. I'm gonna be like, hey, I've worked with Mariah too, but I and I just yeah, she's she's incredible. She's Mellow Sings M E L O S I N G S on Instagram, and. Um, actually, I, I, I'm not even sure that, well, I know she had heard Ooh Baby Baby, but she, um, actually latched on to one of my videos of Unaware on Instagram. Oh, she, is um, this the one that made Alan Stone's uh, Instagram page? Listen, no, no. So, <laughs> sorry, let me pick up the name I dropped. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Which, um, which, which reminds me, uh, if you're listening, hi, Trevor. It's uh, Alan's guitarist. Oh, hey, yeah. Trevor. Hi, Trevor. What's up? <laughs> um, no, yeah, uh, well, okay, that one is the Red Couch cover. Yes. That I did in, um, New York. Um, Shout out to the gang at Red Couch. You guys are awesome. That video's on YouTube, too. Yeah that, yeah, that one's on YouTube. But I remember freaking out because Mel, I had just recorded, because, I mean, as much as people, not a lot of people, but some people um, associate, I guess, unaware with with me sometimes because of whoever may have seen the repost from Alan Stone. Yeah. Or... Um, uh, have seen clips of me doing it, whatever, uh-huh. and um, but that was the I did another short clip that I posted on Instagram of me doing it at um LBLE at Hotel Waikiki Beach. Yes, that's the that's the the Instagram live one, right? That yeah, it was the Instagram live one, and, and put on IG I put TV. on IG, and Mel commented on that video, and um. I freaked out because um, I realized that she had already been following me. Um, and I'm like, oh, my God, do you know who you are? Did you fall victim to the late follow back? Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh no! Yes. Those are the worst ones. I was ones. like, oh, my God, wait, you're already following me? The shame. <laughs> shame. Because I... And if you're a true Mariah Carey fan, yeah. you know exactly who Melanie Daniels Walker yeah. is. I mean, I mean, she was she was a background singer for um I, I remember her from All I Want for Christmas is You. Yes. Yes. And I was like when when we when we met her, we had the uh, I had the privilege of meeting her um thanks to you 
in New York when we were up there for yes. for um, DeAndre. Right. Yep. Uh, when DeAndre did his shows earlier this year, and I was like, oh, hi. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, wow, oh, wow. Yeah. And it was it was one of those delayed reaction, like, oh, my gosh, I actually, I actually know you. Yeah. And uh, that was that was so cool to actually like, you know, to finally put like a name to a face, to a voice, to a voice <laughs> yeah. that I've been listening to since that song came yeah. out. Yeah, because that and song even came if, out in like '94. Yeah, I want to say around there. Yeah, '93, '94, around there. Because and even if you're not a hardcore Mariah fan, if you've listened to the first Mariah Christmas album. And even like um, other tracks from you know Mariah yeah. throughout the years, up until a certain point, as far as it goes with Mel, yeah. um, you know her voice. You, she's basically um, all up and through the Christmas album, and like I said, a lot of other. Yeah. And then she was um, on on the road with Mariah a lot, and her voice is just very distinctive and. Yeah, she's she's awesome. She's amazing. I love that. Okay, I I want to talk about one more thing before we hit the questions. And oh, let wait, you go. let's go back to yes. Um, just so I can the the they have the range thing. Just so I don't yeah, yeah, yeah. Over please, that. please. No, no, no. Um, just yeah, just um, and I think that's something like, and I don't want to seem any kind of pompous in, 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 in the way I say this, but <clears throat> I've been through, you know, some ups and downs as, it, as it's been yeah. musically. And so, you know, these, but there, there's, there's these moments and there's these things that'll happen and be like, wait, what? Like, you know, I've come to a point in my career where I, I'm not that little kid wanting, yeah, you know, my name in lights or that, yeah, you know, that fame, that mega stardom, that yeah. fame anymore. I mean, when it comes, it comes and uh-huh. it'll be lovely when it does. Yeah. But I'm not, that's not the focus. The focus is just to be able to live comfortably, um, create with my friends and my family. And so just to touch on like that whole yeah. baby, baby craze, um, it's just more of, being able to say, you know, on a f- um, format, you know, thanks, Ev. Um, that whole thing on Instagram, it was like another thing of like, wait, what? Are you kidding me? Like, this whole other opportunity I get because of music. And um, they have the range posted that, that clip. And it was it had already been two years old, because oh, again, yeah. thanks Jen, thanks Jay, for those videos. I I I still to this day I have to ask, I have to ask them, um, how they found it because it was already two years old that video, and then they posted the Ubi baby, baby, and that just took off. Um. And so I think. And I don't ever let it. I'm blessed to have all these followers, uh-huh. and they're awesome, sweet people who message me a lot. Yeah, and Rihanna, 
<laughs> you Drew. thought you were gonna let Thank it you. go, but um, Rihanna being one of those people that. Oh uh, God, yes. Um, but <clears throat> you know, I'm at, I'm at a place where I'm not rushing any kind of um product or content, but this helps. This kind of helps, and I never let it get it over my head or let it affect me. Because, you know, we live in a world where social media influence is so, such a thing. But what I think it helps me be is at least accountable. Because I can get so complacent and, you know, okay, today is Monday, gig, come home, so on, carry on. Yeah. You know, you do your gigs and that's it. You go home and whatever. And on the, you know, opportunities that we get to travel together... You know, that's awesome. You know, we do our jobs and we get out of there. Um, but what I help, what I, what I'm thankful about as far as the followers go, and the Instagram blow up was that it does help at least keep me accountable that there are people who have invested something as small as a follow, but yeah. it kind of helps keep me not too comfortable okay of where I'm i know at. i know, know what, what you mean. mean yeah like you can take your time and you can you can just do you and be you whatever but these people have followed you because your voice has affected them in some kind of way yeah, i i can agree with that yeah. they believe in what you do yeah. so uh, i always keep that in the back of my head where you know Take your time, but don't take too long. Yeah, and and it's a it's a thing of like, it helps push me to at least yeah, come out with it, it's it's with motivation. Stuff. Yeah, you know, not not motivation to like keep growing that count. Although that yeah, is yeah. that is yeah. a byproduct of what you're doing. Yeah, it's like you know, the these people are encouraging me to keep going yeah. because they're loving what I'm already doing. Yeah, you know, and and then the 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 social growth. Yeah. Is a byproduct yeah. of continually, um, you know, growing as an artist yeah. and, uh, you know, getting to the point where, you know, the Uhe Uhene yeah. album is coming. Mm -hmm. um, I hope Wildflower is coming sooner than later. I hope so. Let's We're, make it yeah. a thing. We're going to work Let's on it. Let's make it a thing. Um, but yeah, it's it's so... It's so encouraging to see that people actually care about what you're doing. Yeah. You know? They want more. They want yeah. to see you grow. Yeah. And, you know, and it's, it's such a tricky thing because um, there's, like I said, I don't let it, I don't let it get to my head. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there, once it gets to a certain number, you want to keep it, at least keep it there. Yeah. Or, you know, maintain that. Yeah. Maintain it. So, like. There's so much like ghost accounts on Instagram. It's not even funny. Yeah. Like I, I fluctuate within that like low 40s, high 30s right now. Yeah. And it's just people who like are following me and like, oh, okay, that's it. Okay, never mind. Or like, you or, know, but or I, people just deleting their accounts. So yeah. You lose that, the follow. You know, yeah. or just the people who who really have followed from just Ubi Baby. And whatever small things I, I'll give on my Instagram, 
yeah. musically, they still like that's awesome. Uh-huh. And they're still sticking around. Yeah. Um but I would be um remiss if I didn't think they have the range and um Erica Badu. A lot of, yeah, that happened. She reposted that too. Of, that yep, was another surge of that, followers. That was dude. another surge. And then um and then Rihanna was quite was quite a surge. Quite grand. It's quite a surge. So okay, so the last thing I want to Kilani, talk- sorry. <laughs> True. Girl, pick up all those names you dropped. I'm not dropping it. I just want to thank them. <laughs> no, absolutely. Because they listen to the On Repeat podcast with they Evan sh- K. They should. Yes. Um, you know, and there, there's one last thing that I wanted to talk to you about. And that Hi. was that was the person that you were when I first met you uh-huh. versus the person that's sitting across from me in the studio right now. Yes. And because... Forgive me if this comes out uncomfortably. No, but give it to me, Ev. Your name was not Lena when I met you. Mm-mm. <laughs> um, I I didn't meet you as Lena. I met yeah. you as Paul. Yeah. And for those of you that know the Oprah days, yeah, that was Paul Robbins. Yes. On Oprah. Yep. Um, give me the crash. No, well, please go into detail if you feel that it's comfortable. But give me the crash course on you know. Uh, kind of what made you resonate more with Lena as a person than than Paul, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's it. I when I actually take the time to like sit down and like have just time to myself and to really think about it. Um, there are things that um started. Or may have been like clues, or at least like markers for me, as far as getting to where I am today. Um, even growing up as a young kid, I was always very. Um, I always gravitated to the women in my family. Okay. I was always. I was always like that. I was always. Um, I mean, as as much as I. As much as I deeply love my my dad and you know my brother and my my boy cousins my uncles you know all of that, yeah. um, I always I always just gravitated to 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 the women in my family you know the like my mom and like my aunties who would you know talk in the kitchen you know and were yeah. at family parties and even down to like I was. I was never one to like. I mean, I enjoy I enjoyed playing with my cousins as a young kid, but I never wanted to get like down and dirty with like my boy cousins and like mm-hmm. it was always like with my older sisters and my girl cousins, because yeah. to me they were funnier and they were they were more they were more just fun to hang around with. Yeah, it it was the personality that you were attracted yeah, to more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So. Um, always been attracted to that kind of femininity um so i think um it was always those things that i kind of think about now like oh that was probably something a thing yeah um and even like in my like my my taste of music and stuff i always not that higher voices should be a thing Uh but like always like 
um, finding, being fascinated with like, um, like real like belters, you know, yeah. women belters, and uh-huh. like, or even like guys who had like incredible like falsetto voices. Yeah. Always, always gravitated towards that and um, great female singers. So my identity is something that um, I always kind of struggled with when I realized that it was like a thing. Yeah. Which I think really didn't happen until the end of my middle school years, I think. Okay. Because then... I think that's where I started to feel like um, I started getting hints of like a different kind of way about yeah. like my feelings and stuff. Yeah. And it would be like, oh, that's different. Okay. It's probably just, it's probably nothing. And then going into high school and then really um, getting to explore not explore but like um face those feelings yeah. in 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 more of a deep way because you know you're interacting and you get to interact with more people where like oh it's kind of similar to how I am or like you know whatever yeah and that's where and then also try to fight it because yeah. I I grew up in um like I said I grew up in a very religious household uh-huh. religious family and you, so you said earlier your parents were both deacons. Yeah, yeah both deacons. Um, many times where they had to um, play kahu or pastor, you know. Yeah. So um, it was always, you know, you're taught, you know, these things. and But yet I so strongly felt, um, you know, different in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. So I remember... Uh, and like how I said earlier, you know, it wasn't until like 2010, 2011, which would have been the end of my high school career, uh-huh. where um I got to be, I was kind of just like thrown into Hawaiian music and that, and that, um, that community, which then comes, which is so um, closely connected, as far as Hawaiian music or the hula community is in a lot of ways very closely connected to the LGBT community. Yeah. You know, I got to some of my biggest um, inspirations and mentors are um, transgender women, um, transgender men. So that kind of world, um, it's, it's intoxicating, you know, that, that, um, that lifestyle that you know the the glitz and glam of you know how yeah. our music is fabulous when you get to see people you know all dolled up you know in the at shows you know when we go on tour and stuff so like it was already dealing with like my identity identity and my sexuality mm-hmm. and then being thrown into that that's when i realized that it was much more than just um, maybe be just being gay. You know what I mean? I love that. So it was like, oh, this, oh, this is it. So I remember going into college where 
um, now I'm like just starting college, but I'm already playing bars um, around town, parties with um, one of my dear aunties, um, Ho'o, and then eventually um, Kehau, which would become like my Hanai mom. Yeah. And other very influential people um, in my life that were in the LGBT community or at least LGBT friendly. Yeah. So um, I remember in 2013 and I'm, and I'm still in high school. I mean, I'm still in college and I'm living at the dorms and um, I remember deciding having a night where I just <clears throat> cried to myself and um, was re- like honest with myself and was like you're not going to be able to be happy until you're honest with yourself mm-hmm. and um, that's beautifully said well yeah it was like because um, at the time I, ha- I had um, I, I was I had a girlfriend I was going out <laughs> with somebody and I remember just um, and it's something that I that's one of my regrets till today because um, I really did love her genuinely love her yeah. but it was more so I didn't want her to be living a lie okay because of you know the lie I was trying to uphold okay which was already like breaking already like like the seams of like my soul were just like ready to rip ready uh-huh. so I didn't end that relationship as best as I as I should have um and one day I hope I can really talk to her about it yeah but I remember just kind of throwing myself into it I called my my auntie Ho'o and I was like um I'm ready I, I gotta do this like it's affecting me emotionally and so I remember um she put me um, in full makeup and hair in like towards the end of February of 2013, and then I remember I did my um, I had already playing I had already been playing at Chico's at that time um, with with Hene for like a year or two, yeah. and then I I let them know that. Um, that next week we played a gig that I was gonna come as um my new self. But I remember I remember her doing my hair and my makeup and like the clothes, like the whole nine this one night, February twenty fifth. Yeah, I love that. And I remember when she was done and I looked in the mirror, I remember literally literally and this might sound so like cliche, but literally just like a weight. Uh-huh. Just lift off of me and knowing that it would it would be a hard road yeah. from that night forward and on but i remember just being like uh i'm ready to take whatever comes my way because the way i feel right now in this moment is something that's been festering for probably since i was a child yeah so um yeah that's kind of that's kind mm. of the transition story in a nutshell i remember um going home that weekend this is prior to me 
actually coming out, and that would have been March 6th or 7th, 2013. Yes. At Chico's. But I remember um, February 25th, there was during the week where we did the first night of actual, like, transitioning. Yes. And then that weekend, going home from... um, Going home to Wainai from being at college, UH Manoa during the week. Um, going home that that weekend and talking to my parents mm-hmm. and revealing this to them, telling them everything. And um, it was hard. It was really really hard at first. Um, and I and I and I was ready. I was ready for the. Well, knowing my parents, I, 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 I knew that loving me wouldn't be a question, but I was ready for, I tried to prep myself for the worst reaction. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. That makes absolute um, sense. Um, but that's why um, I'm very thankful for my parents because... Um, I want to say maybe it was only like maybe the first couple of weeks where it was rough. I mean, it was rough that day. Um, there were a lot of tears and and um, questions and um, happening that that day. And um, I had decided that to kind of throw them into it. Because uh-huh. I knew if, if I knew in my heart that if I had told them about it and been like, oh, but I'll just I'll hide it from you guys. I'll okay. do it like when I'm at school or like on the weekends or yeah. at gigs. Um, I knew then it would be harder for them to accept. So okay. I remember that whole weekend, I would like, and where normally I'm just chilling in my room, there in the living room. I I would come out in the living room and like do my makeup. Just I mean not like sit in front of them and do my makeup, but just like yeah. sit there, be with them while I'm doing my makeup. Uh-huh. And ask them, you know, how does this look? How does my hair look? How does this look? Like, what are you guys thinking about the shoes and <laughs> whatever? Yeah. And I remember throwing it into them because if I don't, I remember saying if if I don't, then they'll never get used to it. Yeah. So so you're inundating them with. Yeah, the, not to be disrespectful, but like, just like, that was your indirect way of getting them comfortable with. Yeah, it, was getting them comfortable, letting with, them know that I wasn't. This isn't a joke. No, know, absolutely. Like it wasn't like a stunt. Yeah, yeah. Or, I'm not, it's like not you were a taking phase. it seriously, yeah. and you you meant totally. Like you're, you were intentional with your action. Yeah, like it wasn't a phase. I'm not going through a phase. It's not you know something that, well. um blow over and then like in the, you know over the next few months or whatever mm-hmm. and um i just yeah thank you for bringing it up because whoever i hope whoever this reaches you know whether it's just our our friends or you know whoever else out there mm-hmm. who may be dealing with this problem themselves or is like a friend of like a trans person yeah. or even a parent of a trans person um you hear so much horror stories and i know people who have gone through it where their parents you know have like disowned them and um 
and whatnot. And so, yeah, thanks for letting me share it because um, I make sure to tell everybody that it was hard at first. Yeah. Um, and what, what surprised me and what I'm thankful thankful to God for is that um, when I came out to my parents and my my dad is actually the one who came around first. Mm-hmm. Like, um, within a week, he was already calling me um, girl, her, she... I love that. You know, switching all those... Switching those those pronouns. Those pronouns to, like, you know, son to, like, babes or Mm -hmm. girl or honey, you know, all those, you know. Um, Yeah, it was, like, I think within the first week, my dad had already been trying to... His best to make me feel comfortable. It was, um, to my surprise, um, and I don't want that to sound negative at all, but, like... um, it took longer for my mom to come around okay to it because and um we had a we had a deep talk about it just me and her one day yeah. and she was like you know it's like i'm losing my child i'm losing the one that i gave birth to and i remember hearing that and i was like wow like that like that that I can only imagine like that that hurts, but I can also yeah. understand the yeah, process yeah, yeah. you're taking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so, like I respect it, but also ow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like and I, I just had to reassure her that after her saying that I totally get it and I totally respect it. But and I think the people like even even you annoying me for so long. Yeah. Um except aside from the shell. Yeah. I'm pretty much the same person yeah. that I've always been. It's just the the outside looks a little different. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, know, the hair's just long. Yeah, the hair's just long and it's red now. Yeah, so that's totally different. Yeah, I I knew you with short black hair, yeah. but that's only because that's, the the dress code didn't let yeah didn't let us, us have long hair. Let us have, let us have long hair. Like I, I would get pulled like I would get pulled into the the principal's office yeah. and they would yank the front of my hair. Yeah, and the the policy at our school was that if your hair could be pulled past your um your eyebrows, eyebrows. it was too long and you had to cut it yeah and that was that was just because they they follow the um the ROTC cuz yeah. you know Kamehameha was a ROTC um sti- not style but you know in the in the 80s and 90s yeah they had ROTC yeah and so they, they had follow those, a, those guidelines. They followed those yeah. those grooming guidelines yeah. of guys had to have short hair, couldn't yeah. be that long. Yeah. Um and you know, like pants had to be past like the fingertip rule. Yeah. You know, all that stuff. Two shakas at dances, all those nonsense things. Yeah. But no, like a lot of the classmates that I had, like guy classmates, grew their hair out just because they weren't allowed to yeah. and like that's the literally the only difference yeah you know and it's it's the 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 interior is the is the exact same yeah you know i mean if if, if yeah if people really um 
if people really take the time to look past the exterior and really whether you're whether you're just meeting me or whether you've known me for a long time yeah i really have not i really i really have not changed i uh-huh I, I try, I and I try to stay the same person. If anything, I've got a little bit more sassy, a little bit more snarky at yeah. times. But Which I'm not mad at. <laughs> but that just comes with the that comes with the yeah. the outer shell. That comes with the yeah. the you know the the attitude, I guess. Yeah, and and the confidence of your identity. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Which which um. Yeah, it totally plays a part in my um. How I carry myself, whether it's musically or it's um, just every day, having that courage to mm-hmm. wake up every day and to know that I'm gonna get weird looks where I go, but it's okay because yeah. Um, I think about I probably would have gone crazy if I had just gave into it and not realize my truth and been brave enough to live my truth yeah and i i feel like i feel like that's that's the most important part is yeah. not is not finding your identity but yeah. it's being confident in your yeah. identity and saying you know screw everybody yeah. else yeah i upon anybody and you don't even have to be trans or or you know just just being um or you know not even being technically having to be a part of the LGBT community. Anybody who's like just different, who's, you know, a creative or like a you know a visionary in, in any way. It's it's literally a task every morning to wake up and be like, I'm gonna be my absolute me today, whether or not yeah. people accept it. Yeah. And it's that it's that it's that confidence. I remember the first night that I was going to come out as Lena publicly at my gig. Uh-huh. Um, I remember my auntie Hall telling me that. I said, I, we pulled up to Chico. I was like, I'm so freaking nervous. And I remember her saying, um, walk in the room like you have. Walk in the room tall and proud like a lady. But walk in like you have two middle fingers up. I love that so much. Just that, just that confidence of walking. Yeah, in. and yeah. Do you, Do you feel like Do you feel like your identity now as an adult mm-hmm. helped your artistry? Yeah, I think so because, like, you know how I said earlier, like, you know, it's I've always been attracted to, to that feminine side of things. So especially like with, with music and stuff, like now, now being a transgender woman, when I sing, I can give in the performance that sass that I've always wanted to um, emulate from those female singers that I've idolized yeah. my whole life. Um, so I think it. I think it really helps with my confidence. As as nervous as a person as I am, when I get on stage and I get behind a mic, I don't. Know, I guess it's like a Sasha Fierce thing, 
like for and I'm not liking myself to Beyonce, but I'm just saying that there's just this thing that happens when I get on stage. Um, Cause you, you guys know me, like when we're when we're together, yeah. friends. Um, I'm, I'm loud. I mean, amongst us, and we all have the best of times, laughing and you know ripping each other, whatever. But for the most part, like when we're on tour or something, or we're doing shows. I'm kind of more quiet. Yeah. But once once I get behind a mic and the lights go on and it's time for us to do our job, I don't know, something just something just turns on in me and and um that's where what my dad instilled for me from a young age is that no matter if it's a small gig or a big gig, if it's 5 people or 5,000 people, Sing like it's the last time you're ever gonna sing. I th- that is the best advice I've ever been given. Yeah, I remember the early days of transitioning. It was like, um, <clears throat> going out and just like going to class or like going to yeah going to the store was it was harder than was harder than me um getting up at a gig and singing yeah because it was like. Um, you know, I'm just walking around and living my life. On stage, I don't care if you don't agree that I'm, you know, trans or whatever, but at least hopefully when you hear me sing, it'll distract you from whatever else you might be feeling. Uh-huh. So it was that, it, it took, it takes a while and it's still something that I um, struggle with to to this day, but I think it's, um, I think every year I learn a little something more about being comfortable and um, being me um, in front of others. Because however I deal with it on my own is yeah. that's that's me, and um, I think I've been doing that okay. But still, being able to be totally comfortable around other people is something that I still. Um, learn, but I think I think that's. I think the performance is what I have learned the most about transitioning as as far as how it affects my music. Yeah. I um. And I I kind of wanted to mention because you know I thought about what we might talk about today. Yeah. And um, I figured this would come up. Yeah. Bec- and it is, and I only thought about it because it's something that I kind of only been comfortable um with over the past maybe a year and a half maybe not quite two years because it, it um this year made six six years since i transitioned wow. um six years already yeah it doesn't even feel that long doesn't but um um i i realized in the past two years almost two years or so that um you know, being trans, um, a trans woman, you know, aesthetic plays such a big part um, of, like, how I said, just going to the store, going to the doctors, yeah. you know, whatever. And I come from, from, from a Hanai mom and a, and a, and a godmother that, um, 
how you go out every day, even if you feel lazy or if you're just going to the store to grab grab groceries, how you present yourself is such a an important thing. Yeah. Because I don't do this for fun, if that makes sense. Like, you know, it's... it's yeah, you're not it's playing who, dress up. Yeah, it's who I am. Yeah. It's who I, who, I, who I live to be. So um, a part of that in the early years, and what I'm still trying to become comfortable with is, um, of course, the physical appearance, but um, at gigs and stuff, I always try to not make myself sound like, but try to always um, sound, sing um, femininely, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. that was something that always, and it was easy, it was kind of easy in Hawaiian music because. Because a lot of it's like falsetto. I'm singing falsetto, yeah. you know, you know. And doing those kinds of, doing that kind of music. So, but within the past two years or so, um, being able to work with Isaac um, and Dre as far as traveling. Yes. And doing shows and stuff. Yes, and actually being on tour. Yeah, and yeah, all that yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. Um, I've, and then, and then in turn, that trickles down to me doing now solo gigs um, at, at, different places um i've only recently become more comfortable <clears throat> with using with singing in where my voice naturally sits mm-hmm. um it was always something that made me self-conscious about you know you can do your best and do my makeup the best as i can do my hair as best as i can to appear as feminine as I can because that's what I want. Yes. But then it always made me feel self-conscious because if I'm singing lower parts, lower harmonies, or just singing lower because of my, um, biologically, what I'm, how I'm wired. Yes. So um, I just, I, I've just realized in the past two years that I'm slowly becoming more comfortable with um and owning it. Still uh-huh. still still trying to be comfortable with it, but um slowly learning to um own just where my voice will naturally sit. Yeah. And is more comfortable and it's lower. So yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. But no, absolutely. I, th- like, I think that's a perfect um full circle thing to what you were saying was yeah. you know when when you were talking about the the music you know i can do r&b you know i can do r&b music and <clears throat> i can do hawaiian music yeah. and i i have the vocal range to you know to do the belt songs but then also sing in you know the the tenor yeah range yeah you know and and still be able to to push into the falsetto um yeah. stuff and you know, not and, and be okay with with doing both. Yeah, and and, and think, again, going back to sorry to cut you off, but no, going no, back no. to that thing of like, um, you know, you don't need to choose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's because, um, now, 
and, and especially like you, um, our our gigging schedule is so packed. Yeah. That I think at the fault of me being so self conscious of making sure that I sing at at least a certain part of my range. Yeah. To achieve that um, identity of femin femininity, you know, whatever, to other people, the audience. I think by that fault, I I will strain my voice more uh-huh. often. Yeah. And because we are so busy gigging almost... Well, almost daily. You, you gig seven days a week. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm co- very close to that, but um, I think that's too why I realize, like, you're going to have to get over the insecurity of... You're gonna have to get comfortable with singing in your natural tenor, yeah, baritone range, yeah, because we're gigging so much that if you're so, you have to get over being so self-conscious about, you know, presenting yourself as a woman, singing like a woman, yep, to where that will totally um, screw up my 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 vocal cords. I think more more so than. Maybe even more so than my insecurity of physically on the outside looking like a girl, but singing in my natural voice. I think what we talked about of like being drilled that use every performance, yeah, like it's your last. Uh-huh. So that on top of wanting to sing higher to sell my, you know, my <clears throat> my identity. Um, kind of took 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 its toll. Yeah. So I'm I'm learning to be more comfortable with just, you know, bringing down the keys doesn't necessarily sacrifice yeah. my dedication to performing. Yeah. As best as I can every time, it's it's more so of a making some kind of cushion for yourself. Yeah. So that you can withstand this. Yeah, gig schedule. Yeah, every and week. and I mean, at the end of the day, if if the voice that comes out of your mouth does not match the, or if the voice you hear doesn't match the face it's coming out of, mm-hmm. who cares? Yeah, that that's kind of the best part about singing. Yeah, and I, yeah, that that is very well said. Thank you. I think that's a great place to kind yeah. of switch into those questions. Sure. So, rapid fire. Okay. First thing that comes out of your brain. What advice would you now give yourself back then? If you could hear one piece of advice that you kind of learned hard knock style. As much as you invest in your voice and use that same amount of time um, in learning how to be a better musician. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. I mean, I mean, because like I, I can play guitar... Um, guitar, ukulele, bass. That's that's yeah. all the instruments I can play. But I'm like, I'm just okay at it. Uh huh. Like um, like bass. I I've known ukulele from like when I was a kid. Yeah. And then um, this then I learned bass in high school. Then I learned um, guitar. So. I think 
I think at the time I was kind of like, um, I'll just, I'll just play, learn how to play, to just make it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just to get by. Uh huh. Um, and let my voice do, do the do the heavy lifting. Do the heavy lifting. Yeah. But um, I think that's that's one piece of advice I would, um. Tell myself is invest more time in becoming a better musician. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I think because like, like as far as like you like how it has manifested itself today. Like on the voice, I know I, I can I can I can perform, Mm -hmm. but um, like I just wish I had, like I I took piano lessons when I was younger. But um, I was never really into it. My my attitude younger was just like I just want to sing, I just wanna, I just wanna sing. So like, um, guitar. I wish I had um, started being just more, you know, learning how to pick and learning how to, yeah, you know, just ad lib on guitar or whatever. Because then it'd be nice if I could do it now. Because like. Like, you and Lana can just, like, figure out something so quickly. And then, like, you guys both loop, like, freaking amazingly and can fill in. So that, that's that's also, like, a break on your voice. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, you can, yeah. you can use that space to, like, um, play on guitar, you know, ad-lib, whatever. Yeah. So I think that, yeah, I think that's, I think that's what I would, I would tell my younger okay. self. I love that. Yeah. Okay. So um what is a part of your creative process mm-hmm. that you think other creatives uh overlook or don't take seriously? I- is there a part of your creative process that you wish um uh, that was that's maybe not as important to other people as you think it should be? I really don't know because, like, as far as, like, 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 vocals, like, either you can, um, you can do it or you can't. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how, that's how I look at it, like, vocal-wise. Yeah. Um, that's why, like I said, like, for, as far as, like, songwriting goes, um, and as far as, you know, creatively how, how I am, I really haven't locked onto that um, formula that works for me yet. Uh huh. Okay. It's it's just like it's something that I'm still learning. My I'm still learning my creative process. Fair. Things just well. Um, if any, if I had to put put my finger on it, my creative process is just um, happens just it just randomly, like. Um, wildflower happened so quickly because I could feed off of Isaac. Okay, and I find that collaborating helps helps me in my creative yeah. process. I was hoping you were gonna say that. Yeah, because like, um, and like I said, it it goes back until it goes back to like wishing that I had learned um more musically. Yeah, and been able to support myself 
in that way more than just my voice because like I'll try to write sometimes and musically um I I hear I hear it yeah but I can't I can't um put that down on paper okay or I can't chart it you know what I mean I yeah, can't yeah. I can't um sometimes I think I hook I'll hear crazy nice stuff in my head but I just can't I just can't put it yeah. down so you you can't you can't verbalize it and yeah. communicate it outwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, like I hear you. My I've I've found that my creative process, which I'm still learning, is just it's it's very collaborative. Like <laughs> like um that video I did to one of your loops. Oh yeah. On Instagram. Yeah. I I you posted it, I heard it, and I was like, oh my god, yes, this which, by the way, we still need to make a studio session. Yeah, we're for. gonna do something. We're gonna, yeah. we're gonna do something with that. <laughs> I love it. Um, I remember just scrolling to Instagram and I heard it. And I was like, "Ooh, yes, give me all of this!" And then, and then, literally, all those words came like that to me at I think it was like three in the morning. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh my god." And I recorded it at first just so that I... Just to have. Wouldn't forget it. Uh-huh. But like how I said, I think collaborative, as of right now, is is what works for me. Because yeah. I heard what you came up with. So I'm like, oh, I can fit this with that. Yeah. So yeah. Sorry, that kind of no, doesn't I, answer no, your question. I, I think that's perfect. I, I completely agree that, you know, for me... Speaking on collaboration, I think that's something that I overlooked. Yeah. Because I was in such a like um self sufficient yeah, style. Yeah, totally. Which which is not bad. Like yeah. I commend people that are so self sufficient. Yeah. You know, people that can play, produce, yeah. write, sing, and kind of do everything themselves, but that takes I, I've learned most recently, especially with my time with the Creative Lab Music Immersive, that mm. there's something special about collaborating with people that don't um, react to art yeah. as a whole yeah, yeah, the yeah. way you do. Yeah. You know? And that's why, like, with Wildflower, yeah. even till now, I'm still, like uncomfortable not uncomfortable but like it's hard for, like Isaac just wants me to be like girl that's your song yeah I was like well no because yeah I I literally only wrote the second verse but I, I've but Isaac was like yeah but we wouldn't have gotten the song if I wasn't inspired from your poem yeah so it's just that it's that yeah it just I love being able to collab with people and yeah. like um, like how you just said like like with brunch, people see all of us together, and as close as friends as we might be, um, and how similar our tastes might be, we all don't do the same kind of music individually. Yeah, yeah. So I, like, I, I I agree. There's 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 obviously many um, points at where we meet and where uh-huh. we can all agree yeah. on music and how we do music together as brunch, but like. Even like when I posted, when I reposted that clip of the loop that you made and then I wrote whatever to it, um, 
if I even if there were comments even on that video where it was like, oh, this is Lena and F. Like, Lena and F did this, and it was like, yeah. yeah so it's like as close as people know we are. Yeah, it's like <clears throat> when musically when our minds come together, people are like, oh, that's sick. Like yeah. that's <clears throat> that's cool. Uh, what is one project that you wish you made? There's a literally. There's literally so much. Give me, give me like the top three rapid fire. Oh, okay. Um. Well, just I guess just to tie it in, um, I guess the Emancipation of Mimi. Okay. That album, just because yeah. Mariah Carey, um, because that had been like after the quote unquote breakdown that the media wanted to just slam her with uh-huh. and it was after that kind of break after like um charm bracelet and some other albums yeah. and so that that was kind of like a comeback album and if people kind of know like the we belong together off of that album and yeah but if you really dive into that album it's it's a old school like 70s 80s r&b album and there's some there's some there's some gems on it. Mm-hmm. There are. Oh, okay. I'm gonna make it easy. This is your this is your podcast. I'm gonna take something from you. Yep. And then Isaac was the first guest. I'm gonna take something from Isaac. Do it. Um, Isaac, Isaac. I wish I'd written rocks. Okay. I love rocks. Okay. You know how much I love rocks. Yeah. Um, I love rocks. From you. I'm trying to think. Either running shoes, or. Bring you back. Oh, because that was bring not you the back, song I was expecting. Bring you back. Oh gosh, <laughs> Jesus. So yeah. it's for your album. It's bring you back, and then for Isaac, it's watch me from above. Yeah. So like when I'm driving to work, or if I'm coming home from work, and my 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 phone is always on shuffle. So when I hear, dun, 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 I'm like, nope, yeah. nope, Ev, not uh, today. No, not today. Be gone. Or when I hear Sabrina and Isaac start talking, nope, oh, not yeah. today. Yep. Those but are, pe- people, people tell me that they skip that that song, and I'm completely fine with it. I don't. I I I love that song so much, and I know it by heart. But yeah. there's just certain days where I can't listen to yeah. it. Yeah. But um, that song to me sounds like a poem. Mm. Maybe that's why I like yeah. it so much. It it was it started yeah. there yeah so like and then with like watch me from above just I I I think the melody that Isaac did for that song I love so yeah I love that. that run your shoes and bring you back and then rocks yeah I should have started with that yeah I should have started with you and you and Isaac because like with Obsidian um. Yeah, rocks is my is my favorite, and then it would be like, lose my number, fire, yeah. fire ground, like and then with like your album, um, running shoes is probably my favorite. Thank you. And then um, bring you back, and save you, <laughs> and then um, already know. Okay. Is, is another one of my favorites. Those are fun. 
I, I don't play already know enough. I need to put that back into the set. Oh, I love that song. You have to put it back. I put it, it back. It, it it takes too long to cha- to tune my guitar. Oh yeah, that's right. That's yeah, because right. I have to. I'm fancy and I need to play a open guitar. It's dumb. Um, I can't do that. <laughs> is there a part of your journey to your current artistry? Mm-hmm. Is there a part of it that you wish you didn't have to go through? There's certain things where, like. I guess for me, it would be that whole, like, um, well, one of the things, one of the many things, would have been, like, um, being bound to that contract oh, okay. for so long. Yeah, yeah. You know, not being able to, not being able to, not being able to take advantage advantage or of the opportunities that came because of Oprah. Yeah. Um, kind of feeling, like, stagnant. Like yeah. You wanted to progress... But I could creatively, I really but you, but you literally yeah. were bound. Yeah, I really couldn't to it. Yeah, um, I, I mean, like other things to kind of relate it to. I think would probably be um, um, smoking. Okay, I was wondering if you're gonna bring that up or not. Yeah, because like, um, and I think it's I I get I get mixed um, reactions. Cause even yeah. I mean, look, unlike aside from you guys, you guys yeah. know very well that I smoke. Yeah. But like a lot of people don't expect me to. Yeah. Um, but that that stemmed from trying to find a vice. Um. Yeah. That is legal. Yes. <laughs> and um, doesn't alter my mind or yeah, that, judgment in any way. Yeah. But um because I started smoking at a really young age. Okay. And it had to deal with like um we won't go into it cuz we've been talking for a long time yeah. but um you know I've dealt with depression and um uh Yeah, I've dealt with depression and attempted suicide before. Mm-hmm. Um I'm with you there. Yeah, so it's like, I think, um, I know the talent I have, and I know people are like, why would you, um, why would you jeopardize that, yeah. or, or give it that chance by smoking, uh-huh. and I tell people, it's legal, and I can, and it, and it, when, when I have those days where I'm, like, on the edge of like whatever personally is going on in my life and it's stressing yeah. me out and and I feel like giving up it's just that thing where I can calm myself yeah and it'll and I, and and it's not only for that it's it's come to the point where I enjoy it as yeah. well but it's it's also like cuz I could very well pick up a crown bottle yeah. when I'm depressed or something and, and just yeah. tank that. Don't say a word, Evan. Don't. No. <laughs> I mean, like magic trick. To, I mean, we don't have to bring up Elijah Craig either. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I won't. <laughs> stop, stop. <laughs> no, but like, um, 
for my safety and those around me, um, it might not be the best thing yeah. for me, but it's better than it. It's better than it's better than the other yeah, option. It's better than yes, exactly. Yeah, perfectly and, said. And you know, I I had a I had a talk with with Kaylin about um, you know, like. I, I was in and out of therapy from a very yeah. young age and people would always look down at it and it's like it's like why why do you need it? And it was like because yeah. I'm doing me a favor, but I'm doing you a favor. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. because this is what I need totally. to be a decent enough human being to be in these personal interactions. Yeah. Like if I don't have my head on straight, that affects me, but that affects you too. Yeah. You know? And it's the step that I need to take. You know, there, there's the, you know, if it, if therapy worked for me, it didn't work for like other members of my family. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it, it worked for me and it made me a decent enough human to be around. Yeah. And it was, it was a thing that, you know, when I was, even drinking as well. Yeah. It was at first it became a a coping mechanism for me to to deal with stress. Totally. And then I was leaning toward that thing of alcoholism and I'm like, "Okay, wait. Stop. Mm-hmm. I can't be an alcoholic at 21." And yeah. you hit the brakes real quick. Yeah. And then and then you find that line of like, "Okay, this is this is me and this is this is where my line is between uh, this this helps me center myself. Yeah. To, I'm abusing this because I don't know where my limitation is. Yeah. And I think that's that's very the the way that you had put it was very well said. Yeah, I think it's just because like how you said like, in especially in our line of work. Yeah. We have to be able to be engaging uh-huh. to a point whenever we're in public. Yeah. Because. You know, it would suck if we were, like, musicians who, you know, sing all these songs that connect with other people. And then they want to come up to you and be like, oh, my God, that song. Whether it's our own song or it's covers, you know, people are like, I love that song and the way you did it. Like, you know, it would suck if we were shitty people and we're like. Yeah. You know, so it's those things where, like, yeah, like how you said, in order for me to be like this and not affect myself and you. This is just something that yeah, I need. Yeah. And, and it's better than the, the latter or the, like how you said, the other option. Like you said, you know, it's part of that responsibility of, you know, we need to take care of ourselves. You know, I, I can't complain because music has treated me and my wife incredibly well. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, at the same time, uh. It's such a responsibility that we have that people don't necessarily know we have. Yeah, and like people, often people will be like, it's not a real job. It's absolutely a job. Oh, yeah. It's, and people think, yeah, but you're I just fight singing. that conversation every yeah, day. Yeah, same. It's like, yeah, it might not be like hard labor or like an office yeah. job or something, but people don't know the, the, Sometimes, like, exhaustion. Uh-huh. After, especially if you're doing solo gigs or even duos or, like, trios or whatever. Yeah. Like, 
after a three hour gig, you're tired. Yeah. And it's and then, then like other things can factor into like um oh the crowd just wasn't into it. Yeah. Or it was a slow night. But you're still on the clock and you still yeah. want to get paid, so you yeah. still have to be there. Yeah. No matter if nobody's there. Um it's yeah, it's fun when the crowd's into it and when there's a lot of people. Yeah. But it's it's still like and then to still have some kind of semblance of like an outside life. Yeah. You know, whether it's you're going out to meet your friends after or anything like that. Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, people don't realize it that keeping that up on stage yeah. for however long, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, a, it's a task. You know, I mean, like even, even for me this past weekend, I I was in... I got in trouble for adding the Okina, so I'm going to say Molokai. Well, because yeah. of the translation, yeah, because yeah. of the translation, yeah. Molokai, um, on Friday, mm-hmm. I was in Kauai on Saturday, uh-huh. and then I was back home to do two gigs here on Oahu on Sunday. And by the time Monday came around, I had no voice, I was dead-ass tired, Yeah, but I did not regret anything I did that weekend. Yeah. You know, like, and, and there was even, like, when I got to the airport on Friday, my flight was delayed three hours. Oh and I missed my sound check and my call time. Mm. I literally got to the venue uh, when the festival started. We had no sound check. Yeah. And I got there. I got stung by a bee 45 minutes before I had to go up on stage. Oh, God. What? Yeah, there's a... There's still what? a little thing oh there. I got stung by a bee 45 minutes before I had to go play in Molokai. And and uh, as much as I'm like, my neck is on fire. I am so stressed out. But I love doing this. Yeah. And I'm going, to, I'm going to give it my best energy, yeah. whatever else I have left of it. Yeah. And then I hopped on a plane, came back here. Turned around, went back to Koi, played a wedding, and you know we we push through those hard times. Yep. You know those things of you know. I I'm I don't like driving to the North Shore. I'm sure as much as you do, <laughs> um, or we both might hate it together. <laughs> um, but uh, you know to to go and do do a wedding for this couple that asked you to be there to make their day. Yeah. You know, that's to me experiencing that like millisecond of a moment yeah. is worth all of the other not so great things that I have to do to get myself to that yeah. moment. Yeah. And I think that's a great kind of uh, encapsulation of who you are and who you've become yeah. is all of that all of those things that you know the the bullying the um the uncomfortable growth you know the the self discovery as, as hard as that was for you just listening to you for the past couple of hours just hearing all of those things to see the person the person but also the the artist that you've become 
at least on the outside, yeah. looks like the, all of that was worth it. Yeah. And I think that is a great ending yes. to what is three hours of conversation. Yes. <laughs> Thank you Thank for you. hanging out. Thank you for staying almost an hour and a half later than I told you you needed to be. Don't even worry about it. Um, But I love you so much. Thank you I for you hanging too. out. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening. Um, Find Lena everybody. at Lena underscore R underscore T. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. If you know me, you know that already. But, um, well, hopefully there's new music music coming in soon, probably within the new year. So be on the lookout for that, and then um, maybe wildfire this year, maybe next year. We'll see. Okay, well, just follow my Instagram. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Follow her on social media, and thank you guys for listening. We'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye.